0: We return this morning to Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 24, and we'll consider through verse 26. I call your attention to the fact that if you happen to have a copy of the scripture that has the words of Christ in red, it's pretty obvious that we are right smack dab in the middle of a red letter section of the word of God. Matthew 10, 24, the Lord Jesus said the disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Belzebub. how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid That shall not be known. We'll stop right there. Father, this morning we would ask for thy Spirit's help in the communication of the words of Christ in this generation. As spoken to the disciples of old, these words were phenomenally impactful. And we would pray that today these words of our Savior would be understood and fully embraced by every single man, woman, teen who indeed understands the truth of Christ in the saving of their own soul. Help us to see in this section once again the call of our Savior to live in the manner in earthly experience in life, as did he. Thank you for the opportunity. We ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Last week, we introduced to you this little phrase, as Christ, so the Christian, we take that principled phrase right out of verse 24 as it relates to the word above. And we take that phrase right out of verse 25 as it relates to the word as. You and I do not live above the living experience of Christ on earth. The scripture says it is enough that we would live as Christ lived. Last week, we took particular occasion to underscore the as Christ part of that principled phrase. We did so from Mark ten forty five, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Last week, the emphasis was, as Christ. This week, the emphasis is, so the Christian. Our return to Matthew ten twenty four and following allows us to connect the life and mission of Christ with the life and mission of his servants and children. The principle deduced from verse 24 can be stated as Christ, so the Christian. Now, before we get into the details, beginning at verse 24 and immediately following this morning, I want to give you a a big picture view of what this entire section is developing by way of thinking for those of us that have named the name of Christ. The principle operates like this, as Christ Christ on earth, first advent, so the Christian, on earth, first advent, that's the principle. Now the elements of application of that principle are going to be developed in this red letter section of the word of God again and again. I want you to see the whole, I'll just give it to you and uh, then you'll be able to see it week by week as we continue to work verse by verse and word by word through the text. As Christ on earth, so the Christian's life on earth. Christ's life on earth was a life of service. Christ's life on earth, first advent, was a life of sacrifice. Christ's life on earth, first advent, was a life of suffering. Christ's life on earth, first advent, was a life of satisfaction. Four S's, service, sacrifice, suffering, satisfaction. You and I, as those that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord... You and I are called by the Lord to a life of service. You and I are called to live an earthly life of sacrifice. You and I are called to live an earthly life that involves some suffering. And you and I are called to live an earthly life for his advent that involves a considerable and certain satisfaction, service, among the people of God, sacrifice for the work of God, suffering according to the will and glory of God, and satisfaction in completing the will of God for our earthly sojourn. Christ walked, so walk, John says that, First John, as being this same principle as articulated in that epistle. Our Lord depicted his earthly experiences in this first little section, particularly experiences in opposition and rejection among men. He represents those experiences as being shared experiences with his servants and his followers. Amid instructing the 12 apostles, the Lord spoke of his disciples and his servants, verse 24, regarding the setting of their righteous expectations for earthly life and ministry. If there is one thing that I would do for every person who names the name of Christ is to help them to set righteously their expectations for what is to be in life. You come to a day like today, last day of the year, and people have all kinds of ideas as to what has been and what should be, and expectations of what the new year will bring are just absolutely off the proverbial human Richter scale. Oh, God help us to realize That for the people of God, 2024 is to be a a, a year of service. That for the people of God, 2024 is to be a year of sacrifice. That for the people of God, 2024 is to be a year of of some definite sufferings. But that 2024 is to be for sure, for certain, a year of great satisfaction. In living, as it were, the will of God as he has assigned it to us. That is really the only way for the people of God to live. No one reading the Bible would think that the believer in Jesus Christ is supposed to be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease. No one with an open Bible would think that, but there are plenty of preachers in America that seem to think that's the case. Not the case. And so we open the Bible and we look at the words of our Lord and we seek to appropriate those words to us in this generation, even as the Lord gave them to those followers of his, those apostles of his in that generation. Disciples or learners of Jesus Christ are not above the person of Jesus. You say, duh, I know I'm not above Christ. Well, that's a start. But do you know that you're also not above his life on earth and that you're not above his missional experience on earth? That would be the point of this passage. Your life, my life lived right now on earth is not above the earthly experience of Christ. His life was a life of service. His life was a life of sacrifice. His life was a life of suffering. His life was a life of satisfaction. That's the life that you are called to live. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the bond slaves and servants of Jesus, the Christ, are not above in person, not above in life, not above in missional experience their Lord. This specific truth is founded upon the common principle that plays out daily uh, for adults at work and in society. As Christ, so the Christian. There is an authority, there is an accountability structure for us at work and in society as is indicated by the Lord Jesus in today's text. The most basic reality of a disciple's life, of a student's life, of a learner's life, the most basic reality of an employee's life is the principle of submission to an established authority under which that individual is accountable. Verse 24 reminds us that the most basic characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ is his or her willingness to come under the Lord's own living experience. Hence, verse 24 says, the disciple is not above the Lord's actual living, earthly experience, first advent. And furthermore, verse 25 tells us that it is enough or it is satisfying uh, uh, to a a believer to know that he is called to the same kind of life, Uh, that he is is indeed uh, uh, to be uh, as his master or his Lord, to submit to the way of Christ, first advent. And in the big picture, Relative to service, relative to sacrifice, relative to suffering, relative to satisfaction. uh, Those things are what the Lord is dealing with in this particular section of the Word of God. Today's verses happen to emphasize uh, the suffering part. And so, so will we as we get after it here in just a moment. But Christians indeed love to hear the truth in Christ that we are overcomers. But Christians often need to be reminded that they are to come under the authority of King Jesus as to their living experiences, earthside. Indeed, coming under is the key to overcoming. The primary idea of discipleship is submission to Christ. The true follower of Christ is submitted to the word and to the will of God, postured in service, postured to make sacrifice if need be for the glory of God and the good of others, postured so as to expect some suffering along the way, and postured, ever postured, to take satisfaction in the Lord himself, And in God's own smile, even as the scriptures would commend, we do. This is a profound truth when you stop to think that disciple making is the central work of the local church. The central primary responsibility of a local church, like this one, is to prepare people to live that life. And that is specifically what is not being taught God's people often in this generation. In fact, God's people are being taught all kinds of goofy things. And a lot of times they're taught this, this namby-pamby, wishy-washy kind of a doctrine that says, oh, you, you do your allegiance to Jesus and all your life is just like, uh, uh, just like uh, uh, wonderful, like you win the lottery, like everything is just, is just great, as men count greatness. Well... That's not my experience. That's not the honest experience of any believer I know. And uh, we need to get back to the scriptures. We need to get back to the red letter section of the word of God. And, uh, and hear our Lord tell us exactly what our earthly lives uh, in living experience are going to be about. And if you embrace this today, you will not be, you will not be, you will not be one of those old codgers that sit around grumpy and say, oh, I don't know why things aren't going better. I don't know why I feel, don't feel better. I'm, I'm 96 now, but I don't feel very good. Well, God bless you, 96-year-old. If you would have embraced this as a teenager, you might have saved yourself some grief as an old man, knowing that this old life is not promised us to be a bed of roses. The life of Christ, yeah! The life of Christ, oh, yeah. And so we open our Bibles. And we seek to submit ourselves to the actual things that are said. Not the traditions of Christians and gone by years. But submit ourselves to the scriptures as the spirit of God teaches us from them. As we continue to work in this red letter section where Jesus is instructing the twelve apostles. We're going to see in 24 all the way through 42, or the end of the chapter, both the commitment and consecration that is required in those that follow the Lord Jesus, as well as the joy and rewards of serving the King. You will see things that will lay in your soul and mind as negative, you will see things that will lay in your mind and soul as phenomenally positive. That said, we would articulate that submitting to anybody at any time is never an easy thing, but it is a welcome thing when the one who is above you is honorable and worthy. I need not convince you of the Lord's honor and worthiness this morning, do I? So we take the first bite in this section, intending to chew it good before swallowing it, like a good piece of USDA prime steak. The truth here can gag you if swallowed too quickly and whole. So our process will be small bites, weld, chewed, as we work our way into the year 2024. The actual experiences, both positively and negatively, of the true followers of Jesus Christ will parallel the earthly experiences of Jesus Christ as recorded these experiences of a true disciple are revealed in this red letter section of the word of God. And so we begin this morning with a happy principle and that is to identify that the satisfaction of the true disciple is going to be as keyword as the satisfaction of Jesus Christ on earth, first advent. And I take that point of emphasis from the words, verse 25, it is enough. You may well have experienced that word over this holiday period as after having eaten that delicious piece of pie, or special dessert, uh, the host, or maybe it was your wife or another family member said, there's another piece if you would like it, and you said, that's enough. That's enough. I'm satisfied. I've had plenty. Too much of that good thing now would be uh, not a good thing for me. And some of us have experienced that very sense of it is enough concerning dietary issues over the last number of days. Thank God that you did. You won't always, but you do understand what it means to say it is enough. Well, here the Lord Jesus says it is enough that the disciple experience in earthly living as his Lord, it's so easy to sing, living for Jesus, a life that is true. And yet not really giving your mind over to the fact of what that actually involves. And it's time to quit lying to teenagers. It's time to quit lying to our youth and telling them, oh, give your life to Christ, it'll just be one great, wonderful thing. Every day, every day is just great. Like winning the Super Bowl week after week after week after week. Well, I got news for you. Most of us have never won a Super Bowl and never will. It is enough. It is satisfying. It really is satisfying that a disciple can connect in living experience with his lord, master, teacher. There's a deep satisfaction in the student's heart when he shares the wisdom and the character of his teacher. There is a great feeling of contentment when an employee shares the benefit package of the boss. Honor students and honorable workers desire nothing more than the share in the experiences of the one above them. Most labor disputes arise from the thought among the rank and file that the ones above them are not willing to share of the good things mutually gathered. The disciple of Jesus Christ couldn't possibly entertain the thought of his unwillingness to share after all the great promises assure us that he is most willing to share all with us. But the point of emphasis that Jesus makes here is not about the shared wisdom and honor of his followers. We'll see some of that as we continue, but not today But here it is the negative treatment that he experienced and that of his disciples, as they will experience as as times uh, of God's appointment uh, indeed have prescribed uh, so that we might live, as it were, after the manner of Christ. Or to say it, if we've been saying it, as Christ, so the Christian. If living for Jesus a life that was true was just all about wisdom, and honor, there wouldn't be any seats available today in the service for you. And in fact, if you embrace the ideas of the American prosperity gospel, your church will be full, because people like to have their their minds and hearts and life stroked. The world at large mistreated the Lord Jesus, And Jesus said that the world at large would, at times, mistreat his true followers. The fact that we ought to be like Jesus is a no-brainer. Again, the Apostle John wrote, He who abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. It is enough that we who love the Lord be treated as he was treated, isn't it? I mean, really, do you expect that the world would treat you above the way that they treated your named Lord? Really? You would expect treatment above the way they treated him? The Apostle Paul spoke of his desire to know Christ better and fully he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Yeah. And and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Oh yeah. The experiences of the true disciple parallel the experiences of the Lord Jesus. It is enough that I should bear with the afflictions of this present hour, knowing that my Master bore the same and more. There is a contentment, there is a satisfaction for those of us who bear with godly dignity the fellowship of suffering at the hands of the godless world. None of us like to suffer, but we can learn to enjoy suffering as identified with the person and the program of the Lord Jesus as we uh, move through the days of earthly experience, seeking ever and always his glory, satisfaction, you can live a life of satisfaction, I can live a life of satisfaction, Jesus lived a life of satisfaction, you be sure of this, in the, uh, in, the in the 33 approximate years in which the Lord Jesus walked on this planet, first advent, uh, he lived a very satisfied life, he was satisfied at home, He was satisfied uh, uh, in society. He was satisfied among his followers. He lived a satisfied life because that satisfaction of him was not built upon the circumstances at hand, but rather was built upon his relationship with his heavenly Father. Jesus knew what it was to rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. And as a result of that, he lived a life of satisfaction. And that life of satisfaction, is 100% available to me and available to you in Christ Jesus by means of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us. You can live a life of godly satisfaction. Well, let me say a little bit more, secondly, about the slander toward the disciples, as is indicated in verse 25b. Jesus said, if they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? That's what they called Christ, Beelzebub, or, if you will, Satan. And if they called Christ Satan, what kind of names might they come up with for you? After all, when they called Christ goofy names, they were 100% goofy, or, if you will, perfect goof. Because he was sinlessly perfect. But my flaws, my sins are evident in relationship to the people that I, I labor among and work with and come under. And as a result of that, uh, uh, there are names that you can think of for me. There are names that I can think of for you about you that are just so easy. It has come right to the tip of my tongue so quick. And I have to bite down, bite down, bite down. Not to just say what I'm thinking Uh, when I am talking to you. And probably when you're talking to me. Because there just are things that are so quickly, easily able to be said about you or me. Because by no means are we sinlessly perfect. But the thing that's interesting about this phrase if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? The thing that is interesting about that is, first of all, the people are in God's house. I like that. I'm one in the house of God. Secondly, and this is really important, it specifies that the primary nature of specified suffering that you and I most usually will endure is the suffering related to misrepresentation. How many times have I been punched as a pastor for telling the truth of Christ? Never. How many times have I been shot? Never. How many times have I been starved? <laughs> Never. But how many times have I been misrepresented? Even by the people I love and that love me? Often. Often. This characterization of our Lord specifies that the brand of suffering you and I most usually will need to endure during the days of our earthly sojourn is the misrepresentation of ourselves before others. The world misrepresents the true followers of Jesus Christ. They slandered him and they will slander the Lord's true followers. Let me just read you a a paragraph uh, from the commentary of uh, probably my favorite dead buddy, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, in this regard. He says this, If the master of the family is likened to Beelzebub, the fly god of the Philistines, and named after the prince of demons, By what names will they call us? Doubtless, malice will quicken wit, and sarcasm will invent words which pierce as daggers and cut like knives. Thank God they may call us what they like, but they cannot make us evil. They can and will cast out our names as evil, for they are those that call good evil and evil good. God was slandered in paradise and Christ on Calvary. How shall we hope to escape? Instead of wishing to avoid bearing the cross, let us be content to endure Dishonor for our king's sake. Let it be our ambition to be as our master in all things. Since we are of his household. Let us rejoice to share with the master of the house. It is so great an honor to be of the royal household. That no price is too high to pay in consequence close conformity to the image of their Lord is the glory of God's people. Oh, to go through this life as did my Lord. Serving, sacrificing, at times in the will of God, suffering, but always and ever satisfied. That brings us to the third thing this morning. I call it the stability of the true disciple. The stability of the true disciple. And we pick up then in verse 26. Fear them not. Don't fear the ones that misrepresent you. Don't fear the ones that have pet names uh, uh, to give to you. Uh, Don't fear them. Fear them not. Therefore, why? For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Now, verse 26 says upon contemplation the simple truth that there is a day when the suffering ends. Isaiah 53 beautifully foretold the death of Messiah for sins. And then it beautifully foretold that while in the grave there would be a reversal of experiences, that the death for our sins was the greatest horrible experience in the life of God of the God-man, but even in the placing of his physical grave, God, according to the prophet Isaiah, would begin to reverse the negativity. And he would be buried in the tomb of a rich man. And be buried as if he were a king because he was a king. And the reversal for the glory of Christ was therein begun. And then three days after being in that tomb of the rich man, Christ resurrected from the grave. And the reversal of God's honor and glory for the God-man continued in marvelous expression, but not done. And then after 40 days, Christ stood on ascension mount and as he spoke of the kingdom of God, was lifted above in a cloud. And the angels told the disciples on the hill, "Uh, don't stand there gazing up into the stars, into the clouds. This same Jesus, who's leaving you in honor and glory and preeminence, shall so come in a coming day. And so we don't look for Jesus when he returns to have the same earthly experience he had the first time. Now do we? We expect our Lord to return in power and glory because his suffering has long, long, long ended. And my suffering and your suffering in the will of God will indeed come to its end. Now, the way that Jesus said that is much more profound. And I want you to see it in the context as he said it. The day comes when secret vice and virtue will be exposed. The statement, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known... Is the Lord's assurance that there is a coming day when secret vices and hidden virtues are exposed? No vile act escapes the Lord's judgment. No virtue. Misses out on his reward. All men, saved and unsaved, ought to hear this. No vice will miss the day of God's exposure. No virtue will miss the day of God's reward. And for saints having trusted in the Lord Jesus who died for our sins, that we should bear them no more. We wonderfully have been led of the Spirit of God to believe that our sins have been judged in the Lord Jesus. The sins that are known and even the sins that are unknown judged in the Lord Jesus. And we will give an account as believers before the Bema Seat of Christ. But that particular event ahead for the believer is primarily about the exposure of reward. That if you and I have taken it on the chin in the honor of Christ amidst our family or our co workers or our fellow students or our congregants. There's coming a day when the honor of living after the experiences of Christ with a Christ-like disposition as empowered by the Holy Spirit will find its full reward. On this basis, we who love the Lord are commanded not to fear the world around us. We are not to fear any of the slanderous assaults that may come against us. We have his promise that if we endure, we shall also reign. The command not to fear is going to be uh, greatly developed as we continue next week in the verses following. Uh, But for this morning, let me just uh, 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 pause to uh, encourage you to hear again the Lord's assurance that if you will put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is going to be all right. It is going to be all right. It is going to be all right. Stay calm. Be at peace in your Lord. Joy is coming in the morning. And God's morning may well dawn in 2024. It may yet still. Dawn in 2023, 13 hours ago. But it certainly will dawn in a day ahead as God has appointed. Once again, this morning, I couldn't help but think of just how ridiculous a passage like this must seem uh, to a person that does not know the Lord. It must seem to border on insanity to say to people, submit to God expect to suffer and enjoy it. You even smile when I say it to you. But for those of us that have met the Master and have been taught of God, there is a deep satisfaction in being identified with Christ. There is a living stability as we hear the voice of the great physician say, this will hurt, but not forever. And it will be all right. I remind you as we close the year 2023 that you and I have no capacity to read the hearts of men Many in our day say that they are Christians, apart from much seeable evidence. This is why we rejoice that the term Christian is not the New Testament term of choice for people who are rightly related to King Jesus. The New Testament term of choice would be disciple. There are only three New Testament references to Christians, and nearly 300 references to disciples. I cannot tell you who's a Christian. I can tell you who's a disciple of Christ. A disciple is one called to walk with Christ, equipped to live like Christ, and sent to work for Christ as yoked with the Holy Spirit indwelling. In the remaining hours of 2023, It will be very soon uh, for all of us in the rearview mirror. I would call upon you who clearly are disciples, followers, learners of King Jesus to do four things. One, to deliberately fix your eyes upon your Lord, remembering that he lived on earth the way that you are now to live. Two, uh, that you would let the grace of God that has come directly to you, amaze you once again as it did at the first. Three, uh, that you would submit your negative earthly experiences underneath the promises made you from the throne of God. And above all, that you would give God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the praise that he is due. Father, thank you this morning for this penetrating instruction. And we particularly pray that the satisfaction level of those who are acting after their discipleship in Christ would be greatly increased, and that others that have lived on the fringe of the world would be drawn into the center of a God-centered lifestyle, a behavior that honors God every day of the week, not just Sunday, a life that is commendable before the throne of God. We thank you and praise you for all that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Help us to understand that better. Help us to apply the truths of that in deeper fashion. And help us in this day to bring to you, our God, the praise, the honor, and the glory that is due you. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.